0: This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live audio only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D E E. It's uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D E E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, seven o'clock Central, eight o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club Thirty Four Seven. What's going on, everybody? Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah. I think Hanukkah's over already, but you get the idea. Happy holidays. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm in a... I'm trying to pretend to be in a jolly mood because I'm... Uh, despite uh, how I may sound, I'm uh, under the weather. And other the wonder, under the weather to the point that I am alone for Christmas because I did not want to get the rest of my family sick. So I'm riding solo uh, in Cedar Rapids, unfortunately. And, um, you know... Maybe I'll be able to make it home for uh, New Year's and stuff like that. Fingers crossed. But um, anyway, thank you for sharing your holiday with me. We're here to uh, preview Week 16 between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks, Uh, both teams struggling mightily this year. Uh, That would be an understatement, especially for the Seahawks, who uh, people were expecting – you know, I don't know about big things, but definitely a hell of a lot better than five and nine. That's for sure, uh, going into this uh, late December uh, matchup. And um, uh, like I told our guest uh, Michael Sean Dugar yesterday, um, I wasn't expecting you know much from the Bears this year as far as wins uh, and losses. It was really the you know drafting Justin Fields and and uh, Tevin Jenkins that had me excited about what could be uh, this year. But I certainly wasn't expecting you know, the bears to tear it up and make the playoffs again or, or anything like that. But I also wasn't expecting four and 10. That was, you know, I was thinking at worst, we'd be seven and 10, which is still mathematically possible for us, but I don't see it, but you know, so it's um, we, we we got two teams that are, are not where they thought they would be at this point uh, in the season could quite possibly both be blowing things up and starting fresh uh, in 2022, I think the Bears are definitely like 99.9% headed in that direction right now, and and the Seahawks. I think it would depend on on how these things uh, finish up. But the rumor mill with with Wilson not playing there in 2022 has already started up again, and uh, uh, you know Pete Carroll's pushing 70. So how much longer is he going to coach and uh, and everything like that? So it's it's an interesting situation. It's it's a football game between these two teams. That means. Really, nothing to either one, and 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 this wasn't what I was expecting for this matchup. I thought, you know, definitely be uh, you know a bad game for the Bears because, you know, you got the twelfth man in Seattle, one of the most treacherous team places to play uh, football uh, in the NFL, and uh, a team like Seattle, most likely challenging for a division title, could possibly be playing for seeding and things like that. But instead. Uh, you know, their fan base is probably out there halfway wanting them to lose so that they could get a higher draft pick in the uh, in the draft. Do they have a first round pick this year? I, I wonder if they're if they're done with the Jamal Adams trade because they gave up two first rounders to get him. So I wonder if they still got another. gonna missing another first rounder for that, or if uh, if they're done with that? But anyway. We got news and notes. We got keys to the game and uh, everything in between and a part and in a pear tree. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the week 16 deep dive preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. The I hear the dial tone out loud week 16, our beloved Chicago Bears travel up to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks in. Um, what are they calling that place now? I was going to say the link, but that's Philadelphia. Anyway, I think it is something Lincoln Financial, something. I, I, I'm i pretty sure that's Philadelphia, but I think there's something Lincoln involved. It doesn't matter. The The home of the 12th man is where they're going to be on Sunday uh, when the Bears and Justin Fields, hopefully. We'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks uh, meet up on Sunday afternoon. So it's, it's the late game, the 3 o'clock game. Those are never... I don't have, I don't, I never like it when the bears play on the West coast and they play at three and it's just, ah, I'm, I'm a noon Sunday guy. You know, I don't, I don't like it when they play on Sunday nights. I don't like it when they play Monday night, Thursday night, noon, Sunday. That's when I want to see my bears playing. And, uh, you know, so I'm done at three and then I got the rest of the night to myself and what have you, but, uh, we got to suffer through this three Oh five kickoff. I think, uh, out there in Seattle, And, you know, it's uh, like I was talking about there in the open. It just, this is not where either team thought they would be at this point in the season, especially the Seahawks. Then I think at, at worst, they were thinking maybe nine and five, not five and nine, uh, you know, challenging for a division title and, and, you know, possible playoff seeding, you know, in a a cakewalk game against a not very good Bears team, uh, you know, as their own Christmas present to themselves uh, kind of thing. And even though they are still favored to win, this weekend, I think they're six and a half point uh, favorites uh, in this one. It could very easily turn around on them and and go the opposite way. I mean, that's that's how this season has been uh, for them. You, you guys heard me run it down when we when we talked to Mike Dugar yesterday. That um, you know they they started off looking like themselves week one against the uh, Colts and uh, you know Russell Wilson threw four touchdown passes and. Uh, you know, they handled what has turned out to be a very good Colts team uh, on the road uh, week one. But it's just like week two started with the loss week three. They, they lose again on the road at Minnesota. Uh, they, then, the, you know, a couple weeks later on Thursday night football, not only do they lose to the Rams to fall to two and three, but they lose Russell Wilson with that uh, with that finger injury on his throwing hand. They lose him for, you know, as we talked to Mike, six to eight weeks. And he's like, now nah, I'm going to come back in three to four. And, you know, to Russell Wilson's credit, he did, but uh, has not been effective in that time. And unfortunately, playing behind an offensive line that is not very generous in protection. Um, Because that that was the one thing that kept sticking out when I was going through the games and looking at the stats was, oh, you know, we'll look at um, Geno Smith, the backup quarterback, you know, who was starting in Russell Wilson's uh, place. You know, he was 19 of 26. That's a pretty efficient day and like only 190 yards and, you know, threw a touchdown pass, no picks, but he was sacked five times. Lost like 30 something yards on those, on those plays. Okay. Fast forward to the the next week. Same thing. 21 of 22 of 31. Okay. Not a bad day. You know, maybe like 215 yards passing, uh, you know, also maybe threw another touchdown pass or no touchdown. Maybe he ran one in kind of thing. Five more sacks. And the week after that, he was sacked three times. I mean, even when they lost to the ja- or when they beat the Jaguars 31 7, the Jags sacked them four times. It's like, what's going on with this offensive line? And then when I looked at the team stats, the Seahawks are the team that's nipping at the Bears' heels because the Bears, thanks to their, you know, like nine and seven sack performances against the Buccaneers and the Browns are number one in the NFL for sacks allowed. Justin Fields has been sacked 44 times. And Russell Wilson and Geno Smith combined have been sacked 42 times coming into this Sunday's game. So um, there's a very good chance that Robert Quinn might be able to break Richard Dent's record on Sunday, let alone, you know, because he's a, a sack and a half behind Dent's record. And he's got 16. It's 17 and a half is the record he could probably get them in the first half uh, with the way that this offensive line has been protecting. So it's really going to come down to our offense and being able to close the deal. Cause uh, and (laughs) you heard me talk to Mike about it today or yesterday. Uh, I was listening to the Hogan Johns podcast uh, this afternoon and it breaks down to here's what the Seahawks do. They have one of the best scoring defenses in the NFL, which is to say they don't allow a lot of points. They give up a lot of yards so between from the 20 to the 20, they'll you know they'll give up a lot of yardage, but they, they cinch up in the red zone and that's where they're giving up field goals instead of touchdowns. Well, whose offense does that sound like? You know that's us. you know for, for, for everything that didn't go right on Monday against the uh, Vikings, we were able to move the ball up and down the field pretty efficiently but when we got in the red zone, You know, I know officially we were one for five because we scored a touchdown on the last play of the game, but more officially we were 0 for 4. We came away with nothing. In four trips in the red zone, we came away with one field goal. And that's going to play right into Seattle's hands on that one. So not looking forward to that. We'll talk a little bit more in the keys to the game. Let's start off with the uh, news and notes here. Um, you know, I thought this might be clickbait, but when I read the, when I saw the headline, I knew I had to click on it and, uh, read it because it was, uh, the headline was Jermaine if defends, uh, pushing, uh, Tevin Jenkins. And I was like, oh, I got to hear this. So, so I pull it up and the funny thing is it reads just fine. Like his reasons for, um, Talking to to Jenkins or, or like what he would have what he was saying to Jenkins was appropriate, you know. It's like we we want to do those kinds of things the right way. We can't afford to give be given up fifteen yards, and you know that's yardage we can't get back because then when you're deep, it's you know you don't have a play in the playbook for that. You're you're counting on the defense making a mistake to be able to convert and blah blah blah. And, and you know with the way we're struggling and things that we can't afford to have those things happening, we can't afford to do that. And that message is fine. Like I stated before on the bear up, bear down show on the review episode. I even talked about it a little bit. uh, I believe yesterday uh, again with uh, the the whole situation, I didn't have a problem or I don't have a problem with Jermaine a talking to Tevin Jenkins and telling him those things, what I had an enormous problem with. And still, because he's got no leg to stand on here was putting his hands on Tevin Jenkins and basically embarrassing him not only in front of the crowd, but in front of a national TV audience like that. That was 10 steps too far. And that's where he was wrong, 1,000%. He wasn't wrong in, in correcting the rookie or telling him, you know, let's let's you know think of a better way to do that. Let's just, on the next play, we'll make him pay for it uh, kind of thing uh, and what have you. Also forgetting that Tevin Jenkins didn't throw the first punch. He was he go he was caught as the, you know, the the ominous second guy. Cuz go back and watch the clip. Tevin Jenkins, it's number 98 that he's getting into, getting into it with. And they're in each other's face and, you know, they're they're going back and forth and then here comes number 90. I don't know who that is, but it was 90 that threw the first punch that hit Tevin Jenkins. And Jenkins retaliated with him, which was his right after being struck the first time. But, you know, I've, I've said it a hundred times in this podcast, you never want to be the second guy. And it's always the second guy who gets caught. It's always the second guy who gets flagged. And in that instance, Tevin Jenkins was the second guy. So, I mean, if he had just gone up and gotten the guy's face and nothing happened after that, we wouldn't be talking about it. I mean, we'd still be talking about it. and would be like, good for you, Tevin Jenkins. Where the hell were your teammates You know, why weren't there five guys over there getting in everybody's face and and all that kind of stuff? But instead, you know, it became more of a headline that Jermaine Afidi tried to make Tevin Jenkins look like a fool, shoving him back into the huddle and all that kind of stuff. That he can't defend. The message and what he was trying to deliver to the rookie, absolutely. But in, in this case, Afidi needs to take his own advice and find a different way to deliver that message as opposed to shoving and putting your hands on the kid On the field, in front of everyone, like that, there's no excuse for that, none whatsoever. So, um, I had no problem with the message. I had no problem with him wanting to deliver that message. It was the delivery vehicle of the message that I and pretty much anyone I've come across has had a huge problem with. That he can't defend, and I don't. And I read the article. I don't. I don't remember him trying to defend him putting his hands. Other, other than it saying it was tough love, uh huh, sure. So it would, it would have also been a you know tough love if he to reach back and elbowed you in the throat for, for pushing him like that, asshole. So anyway, like I said, I, I had no problem with the feedy um, correcting the rookie, you know, trying to tell him to be more disciplined and and things like that. But I had had will have and <laughs> had have and will have. Uh, A huge problem with him putting his hands on the rookie and doing that, doing that to him in in the middle of the field like that for everyone to see. I mean, even if it had happened on the sidelines, I wouldn't like it. But at least that's, you know, a bit more shielded, a bit more private, if you will, as opposed to like that would have been something that maybe we saw one replay of coming back from a commercial break as opposed to that happening live in front of everyone. And now it's everywhere. You know what I mean? That I did not appreciate at all. And um, yeah, like I said, Jermaine Afidi should take his own advice in uh, delivering a message, maybe find a better way to do it next time instead of embarrassing the kid on national TV like that. So now we're into COVID news, and there's plenty. Um, Here's the good news. Over the last three days, we've gotten seven guys back. Off the COVID list. Seven. Uh, Today on Thursday was uh, Andy Dalton and Mario Edwards Jr. That'll be a nice uh, boost to the defensive line and Andy Dalton being the backup again. Uh, Eddie Jackson, Sam Kamara, and Larry Borum back on Wednesday. So we get our starting right tackle back so Jermaine Ifidi can take his sorry ass back to the bench. And on Tuesday, Artie Burns and Duke Shelley came back. So there's your seven guys right there. But... But on each of the last three days, we've lost somebody to the COVID list. Tuesday, it was Bilal Nichols. Wednesday, it was Jesper Horstead. And then today, God damn it, it was Akeem Hicks. I don't know the vaccination status of any of these players. I am hoping that they are vaccinated so that they have a shot to uh, play. On Sunday, especially Akeem Hicks. Because losing Bilal Nichols, but getting Mario Edwards back, that's kind of a, a thing that kind of cancels itself out. thing. You know, it'd be great to have them both. I would prefer to have them both, but Mario Edwards in, Bilal Nichols out, that's, you know, we, we get a push on that one. But losing Akeem Hicks, especially with the way he played on Monday against the Vikings, this is a guy we want to keep out on the field. And uh, so I'm hoping that he can clear protocol and play on Sunday uh, because we're going to need all the help we can get to win uh, on Sunday. So fingers crossed he's vaccinated. Fingers crossed we can get him back. It would also be nice to have Jesper Horstead out there because apparently all he does is catch touchdown passes from Justin Fields. That would be nice. And then play him, Nagy, you bastard put him out there because it seems he's got some chemistry with the rookie. May want a guy like that out on the field. But those three guys, Nichols, Horstead and Hicks, uh join the the players still on the COVID list. Ryan Nall, uh Allen Robinson, Isaiah Coulter, Jesse James, uh Joel Joel uh, EA Buniway, Jalen Johnson, and Tashawn Gibson. So still half of our uh starting secondary is out there. And um you know, that's uh, 1, 2, three, four, 10 guys on the COVID list by my count. No, Robinson, Coulter, 3, Jesse James, yeah. 7, 7 and 3 is 10. Yeah, there you go. So, haven't heard anything about um, Laser or uh, Chris Tabor yet, as far as, like, if, if they've come off the list. Haven't heard of if, if they've come back yet. But, um, anyway... In, in brighter news, um, Bears-Vikings on Monday night was the most watched, this is kind of an obscure stat, but we'll take it, the most watched Week 15 Monday night football game since 2011. And because I didn't have anything else better to do, I looked it up, the Week 15 matchup in 2011 on Monday night football was the Pittsburgh Steelers at the San Francisco 49ers. Both teams were 10-3 and 3 going into that game. So a far cry from the divisional matchup between the uh, four and nine Chicago Bears and the six and seven uh, Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, take it for what you will. Uh, This was the best rated game week 15 on Monday night since then. Uh, By the way, San Francisco won that game 20 to three in San Francisco. So like I said, I just did the research. And then uh, finally, before we get to our other injuries, uh, officially, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, Robert Quinn, Jakeem Grant Jr., both uh, elected to the Pro Bowl uh, this season. I mean, Robert Quinn, no big surprise there. Uh, Jakeem Grant, in a conference with Cordero Patterson, very surprised to see that Grant got the nod uh, over Patterson because um, um, you know Cordero's still Cordero. He should still be in a bear uniform for Pete's sake, because, uh, you know, he took less money to play in Atlanta, or at least less than he was paid in his two years in Chicago. He made $5 million a season uh, in Chicago. He signed with Atlanta for 3 We couldn't give him $3 million? But let's keep Jimmy Graham, though. Let's keep Jimmy Graham. Let's give Andy Dalton, you know, $10 million. But uh, Cordell Patterson for 3 a guy that's, you know, <laughs> who's effective in multiple facets when – You know, we probably still didn't know what's what about Tariq Cohen. Yeah, why not? So Cordero Patterson was was snubbed as the special teams player for the NFC. Jakeem Grant taking that one. And speaking of snubs, they snubbed Roquan again. I don't know what the hell Roquan has to do in order to make the Pro Bowl. Um, I know that the inside linebacking core of the NFC is, is a crowded group with guys like uh, Fred Warner and and uh, you know, and you know of, of those likes uh, out there. But uh, he's the fourth leading tackler, he's the fourth leading tackler in the entire NFL. He's got a few sacks. He's got some pass breakups, some tackles for loss. He's got uh, a pick six. Granted, it was week two, but you know, Roquan's about as effective as they come. And trust me, he's one of those players that every single one of our opponents, when they hit the when they break the huddle. You locate number 58. You find out where he is. So then you know where, you know, how to, you know, the the 58 right there. He's the Mike. Let's go get him uh, kind of thing. Locate 58. Just like on on Monday against the Vikings, find 96. We need to know where Akeem Hicks is so we can run uh, Dalvin Cook away from that monster. So I don't know what Roquan has to do. Uh, Maybe he needs to add more sacks, you know, or, or, you know, get his hands on, on more balls as far as uh, interceptions and, and whatnot. I don't know what else he needs to do. I mean, he's a middle linebacker in Chicago. That's a, (laughs) if you do, if you do that, well, it's a pretty much an automatic ticket to Hawaii, but I guess not. So we'll try again. And maybe he's, and I don't even know what, what his, like if he's an alternative or an alternate, I should say Uh, maybe he's, you know, first off the bench or whatever, if somebody doesn't go or, or what have you, but, he should be on the team, period. It shouldn't be a question of him getting added on later. So, And then finally, in our injury news, um, Xavier Crawford and Jakeem Grant not practicing yet with uh, concussions. Uh, Jason Peters still nursing the ankle, hasn't practiced yet. Apparently Justin Fields tweaked his ankle in the second quarter of the Vikings game. He was limited yesterday, did not practice today. I'm hoping that's just some soreness as opposed to him, you know, aggravating or whatever, the injury. Uh, Good news about Marquise Goodwin. A, he's still on the team, in case you didn't know. Uh, But he was limited on Wednesday, full go on Thursday. So all signs pointing to us actually getting him back on Sunday. Eddie Goldman with a finger. uh, Darnell Mooney with an ankle. Roquan with his hamstring. Kyrus Tonga with the shoulder and the uh, off COVID list, Andy Dalton with his left hand slash groin all full, full participants. So looks like we should get all those guys back as well, or keep them on the field in the case of like Mooney and guys like that. So that is our injury report. The only one that we really need to keep an eye on. Uh, maybe Jakeem Grant, you know, getting him back on special teams. He is a pro bowler after all. And, of course, Justin Fields. Hopefully that's just, you know, they decided to give him some rest. Maybe he had some soreness today or or what have you. So, you know, it's just an ankle injury. Let's not do anything to aggravate it. Take the day off. We got Andy back, so he'll take the reps or something. I don't know. But hopefully that's not serious. Um, nobody's acting as though it is, so it would be surprising uh, for him to miss the game because of that ankle injury. I doubt that he will, though, so. Anyway, that is going to do it for news and notes. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll give her to our sponsors, and we'll come back. Keys to the game. Wrap this bad boy up. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Wednesday night, seven PM Central, eight o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club Thirty Four Seven. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D E E to be notified when my room goes live. And again. Every Wednesday night, seven PM Central, eight o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club Thirty Four Seven. Come in, let's have a conversation. Let's talk Bears. Let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> Keys to the game for week number sixteen. I'll give you three guesses as to what the first one is. Although I don't think you're going to need it, because it's been the same first key to the game for I think about seven or eight weeks now because it's been a running theme for our beloved Chicago Bears to take part in their own destruction week in and week out. I mean, this is a football team that has lost eight of its last nine football games, and that lone victory was over the then-winless Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, and we needed all 60 minutes to do it. We hit a walk-off chip shot field goal to win that game 16 to 14 I'm pretty sure that was the score but you know that's the one game that we've won in the last 9 weeks and um you know otherwise we've uh, been doing things that have cost ourselves these victories whether it be the defense not holding up its end when the offense needed a boost or, you know, just holding firm, get the ball back or, you know, hold on to the lead kind of thing. And then, of course, you have the sacks, the fumbles, the uh, penalties and, and all that kind of stuff. It's hard enough to beat any team in the NFL. It's even more difficult when you have, uh, when you can't stop beating yourself along with the other team. And then in the Bears case, uh, the referees like to get in on the fun uh, as well. So, you know, the Bears are up against three opponents uh, as opposed to just the one. So, uh, you know, they're going up against the team they're facing themselves and the goddamn referees. It's making things difficult. No wonder we're 4-10. and But uh, we're not doing ourselves any favors. And never mind the egregious calls that the referees make. They've been doing that all year to everybody. You know, I forget who it was we were talking to. It was a couple weeks ago. I think it was Evan uh, from the, you know, previewing the Packer game. I was like, if ever there has been a season to make a case for full-time referees, this is the one. Because this part-time stuff and what we've been getting from these guys is absolutely pathetic. And we got to do something about these rules that are so subjective that, you know, for one guy, whenever the wind blows, he's throwing the flag. For the other one, you have to take Justin Fields and pile-drive him into the ground to get an unnecessary roughness call. So... You know, we gotta we gotta find some kind of parameters here because it's far too subjective, and the NFL is far too okay with it. So, something's got to be done with that. But I digress. We gotta stop beating ourselves, you know, in, in every in every facet from everywhere from from the uh, you know the penalty situation, dropping passes, Darnell Mooney. Uh, you know, Justin Fields hanging on to the ball uh, too long. Uh, the, the offensive line being a swinging gate and, uh, you know, play calling. You know, th- that's been a big one this year. Obviously, it's been a chronic issue all week long, all week long, all season long, that whenever we're in a critical situation, all of a sudden we go full. T- <laughs> we go full tilt moron and it just cannot figure out. Uh, the play or every play that we choose, the defense sees coming uh, a mile away. We've never we've never caught the defense with their pants down on one of those short-yarded situations. So, you know, or on a third and five, we're running three-yard routes uh, and things like that. It's mind-numbingly frustrating to watch that stuff. So, but there's number one. I know you guys are stunned. Stop eating yourselves. Number two, more David Montgomery. Give him the ball in every possible way that you can. Except, except, um, as fun as it can be sometimes, I would like to see the Bears eliminate the wildcat formation from their offense. Why? Because we have Justin Fields. Okay? It was This would definitely be something that I would be fully in favor of if uh, we had been playing the whole season with Andy Dalton as our quarterback. We're not fooling anybody with Andy Dalton back there. But with Justin Fields, who is just as great a threat to run as he is to pass, um, we don't have to run the Wildcat formation. We don't need to do that. You know, he can run the football just as well as everybody else. So stop making David Montgomery our Wildcat quarterback unless he's going to crank one out and throw the ball to Justin Fields lineup at wide receiver. You want to be creative and do something like that, knock yourself out. But if he's just going to be there to do the run fake and possibly hang on to it and run it, Justin Fields can do that. We don't need the Wildcat formation when we have Justin Fields. But again, I digress. David Montgomery is the best football player that we have. Allen Robinson has been damn near useless, and he's also not been on the field most of the second half of this season. So David Montgomery, the offense should be and should have always been going through him, running the football with him, giving him the ball out in the backfield, you know, out of the backfield, getting him out into the flat, which gets him out into open space, which means he's going to make the first guy miss or he's going to break the first tackle. You know, how many times have you seen David Montgomery tackled by the first guy? It doesn't happen often, you know? So we want to get the ball in David Montgomery's hands a lot more, and I think that would be extremely beneficial against this football team on Sunday. So more David Montgomery, more, more, and then some more. Uh, And Khalil Herbert, for Christ's sake, man. I didn't think that he would be a ghost after David Montgomery returned, but it's like, I mean, that's what's even more frustrating is that we're not getting as much David Montgomery as we want, and we are getting almost no Khalil Herbert on top of it. It's like this is one of the big fundamental problems with, with Nagy and his offense and laser and, and things like that. It's like they have no mind for how to use their personnel. Why did David Montgomery coming back mean that basically Khalil Herbert's going to disappear from the offense? What the hell kind of sense does that make? With the way that he ran the football? We didn't, technically, we didn't really miss David Montgomery while he was while he was out with that knee injury. You know, it's like we're not going to look back on this 2021 season and the four weeks that he was out, Be like, man, we really missed David Montgomery while he was out. I mean, obviously, we we did, but it, not to the degree that anyone thought that we would. Khalil Herbert had, you know, like a 100-yard game, a 90-plus-yard game. He ran the football very, very well. We didn't lose our running game when David Montgomery was out. And yet, now that Montgomery's back, Khalil Herbert is back to playing special teams and almost nothing else. He's barely seized the field. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So, but we definitely want more David Montgomery and sprinkle in a little bit more Khalil Herbert as well. But also, when it comes to Montgomery, have a mind for sticking with the hot hand. When Montgomery runs for 12 yards on first down, Give him the ball again. And if he only gets one or two on second down, give it to him again. See what happens after that. Because that that was the thing with, with Nagy and the way that he was calling the plays on Monday. Montgomery ran for twelve yards on first down. We get stuffed on second down, and then you wouldn't see Montgomery get the ball again, probably for the rest of the drive. It's like, how about you give it to him again? Run a better formation or, you know, run a better play next time, something. Because it's like after, it, it just like just, <laughs> you know, it, and Nagy would give up on the run on that particular in that particular series. He's like, oh, we have a great, well, let's run it again. Okay, oh, we got stuffed. All right, we well, let's go ahead and start throwing the ball then. Every time. Every time. You know, there there were no, uh, you know, if, or if we did run the ball, David Montgomery comes off the field, we run some jet sweep with Jakeem Grant or something like that. It's like anyway but Montgomery more Monty please give me more Monty um he's the best player we got so keep him out there keep him on the field you know I was like unless David Montgomery's in horrible shape there should never really be a moment he comes off the field you can add Khalil Herbert to the backfield there's no rule that says you can't do that I would really like to see some more formations with the two of them are out there together but um Apparently, we can't do that. There's a quota of tailbacks that we can have on the field at one time. So, go figure. And then finally, the last key to the game this week, especially with us playing uh, the younger, shorter version of Justin Fields, or excuse me, the older, shorter version in Russell Wilson, is to stay disciplined on defense, especially when it comes to uh, rushing the passer. We're going to want to maintain... Your gap disciplines, you're going to want to stay, uh, you know, make sure that we're keeping that pocket and just closing it down on Wilson as opposed to, you know, like inst- you know, inst- instead of keeping and setting the edge, I don't want to see Robert Quinn trying to swim and get to the inside because all you're doing is begging Russell Wilson to roll out and basically fill the void that you just left behind. So – uh, you know, it, it's, it's very going to be very important to, to maintain that gap discipline. Very important that when we are rushing the passer, it's more about collapsing the pocket around Wilson as opposed to, you know, taking a step to the inside or anything like that, which is just going to open things up. Or like if our interior guys try to go to the outside, you're opening up the middle, begging him to take off running. That's going to be a big part of what the Seahawks do on Sunday, you'll see that happen. And if you're, if you see that happen, that means we didn't maintain our gap integrity, uh, our gap discipline, uh, on those plays. So, I mean, that's, that's what's going to be very important in the passing game because like you heard me mention it earlier, you know, this is a football team that's given up 42 sacks in the first 15, uh, 14 games, uh, so far. So that's three sacks a game there that they're, giving up. So we're going to get to Russell Wilson on Sunday. It's going to happen, but it's, it's going to be a matter of how many times and how much, how many times are we pressuring him to affect him and how he throws the football? Cause that's how we're going to win this game. We're going to have to get some kind of pressure on Wilson to force him to make a throw that could, you know, go, you know, sail over somebody's head. Cause he's only five ten. He's not the tallest quarterback uh, in the league you get into his face and he's got to try to reach over you. That ball is not going to fly the way that he wants it to could land in somebody's hands, could get tipped up in the air, that kind of thing. So I'm not really worried about Seattle's running game, but I am really worried about Russell Wilson's feet in that regard because he is dangerous running the football and he's more dangerous when he's scrambling. They don't really design runs for him. He gets his yardage in those situations where he's back there passing. And this is a guy that will sit back there and wait for people to get open. He's like the, you know, he's like the black Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> he's going to sit back there and wait for somebody to get open. And it's up to his offensive line to keep him upright. So he's going to take a lot of sacks. So it's just going to be about us being disciplined and making sure that we're closing down the pocket as opposed to trying to get cute and cut inside or step to the outside opening up some kind of gap for him to run through and, you know, break free and get to the second level, get a first down and, and all that kind of stuff, extend the drive when we, we almost had him, kind of thing. So we do those three things. I think we'll be okay on Sunday. I mean, it's a five and nine versus four and 10 matchup. It's basically anybody's game and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully the bears can figure out how to get into the end zone and, uh, you know maybe put some points on that best scoring defense in the NFL uh it's not likely to happen but it would be nice if it did so anyway guys that is going to do it for the week 16 deep dive preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground come back on Monday when we will do bear up and bear down see how this football game went and um you know did the bears pull it off did did we lose number nine out of 10 and we're four and 11 and uh, we got, you know, the giants coming up on new year's or the day after new year's and things like that. And we'll talk about that and a whole lot more uh, on Monday. Guys, again, thank you for listening here on Christmas and spending the holiday with me. And uh, you know, I appreciate your listenership. Like I, I mentioned uh, on the last episode, uh, I've been looking at the downloads for, Um, For this month and for this uh, quarter, the fourth quarter of the year, October, November, December, it's going to be the biggest quarter I've ever had. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful, very thankful to you guys uh, for making that uh, possible, listening to the show uh, and everything like that. Let's keep it going into 2022 because it's going to be an interesting year. We're going to have a new head coach for sure. Will we have a general manager? Will we have a president of football operations? And how is that going to affect 2022 and beyond looking forward to answering all those questions and then some so come back on monday for bear up and bear down and until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate.